2: So, you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course, you don't. Got medium ambitions for this
1: business? Of course, you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the
2: products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger
3: prospect podcast clay link alongside lead prospect writer james anderson glad to have you with us and shout out to new day neudae for the song comb over the intro song you just heard we are going to be touching on the al east today uh wrapping up james your your top tens by division uh your series on the site farm futures has been going on for the past six weeks it's been great uh finishing up again with the east and tough division to call at the major league level this season, I know Jason Collette's going to have the corresponding team preview go up later today. Uh, aside from the Orioles, really every team is in the hunt to win this division.
2: Yeah, and the Orioles, you know, maybe they catch a few breaks and they hang in there too because they're. it's just the, the one common theme in this division is just elite bullpens and the Orioles definitely fit into that that mix. Maybe the, the Rays might have the lesser of the five bullpens, but they also have by far the best staff so uh yeah I mean it, it really could go any of four ways I, I don't really see the Orioles winning it but they I mean they have the offense to get it done I suppose and really really a ton like of power yeah <laughs> and a little roster. too much too yeah. much power maybe <laughs> I yeah, mean, probably like there's gonna be that they're, they're gonna be a pretty trendy stack off offense mm-hmm. to stack you know just because you'll have you'll have mark trumbo and pedro alvarez like they'll be priced kind of like middling options just based on their average output but against the right pitcher you'll be able to get like four of those guys in there and just really take advantage
3: yeah absolutely let's start with the the orioles farm system here and again check out james's articles you can go back see all of his work uh rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial no credit card required no strings attached but Jomar Reyes starting off the Orioles' top 10 list, uh, Trey Mancini, Chance Sisko, Hunter Harvey, Dylan Bundy. Not a lot of talent that's really knocking on the door to, to really make an impact at the major league level this season. Your best bet for 2016 is Dylan Bundy, who, of course, you know had another injury in the, in the fall league. No more options left. He's going to be really kind of buried in the bullpen, I think, to start. But do you see him maybe working into a pretty high leverage spot in the bullpen, or maybe even uh, transitioning to the rotation eventually?
2: Not really. This was just kind of a de facto pick. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't like anyone in this farm system for twenty sixteen. Uh Trey Mancini or Christian Walker could have been options if they hadn't gone out and acquired you know, Pedro Alvarez and re signed Chris Davis, but now it kinda looks like that that's not gonna happen either, so yeah, I mean maybe Bundy starts the year as a reliever and they kind of find a way to gradually get him, you know, two innings here, three innings there, and they can maybe stretch him out to the point where he could make a handful of starts in the second half. I I just don't really see that though. There's nothing in Bundy's track record to suggest he'll stay healthy for the entire season. So as sad as that is, I I mentioned in the comments, uh, someone commented on Bundy, I, I think he's His uh, health issues have been the second most tragic uh, development since I started covering prospects behind only Oscar DeVaris' death. So Mm -hmm. it's really kind of sad, but I I don't have much faith left in him.
3: Yeah, it looks like he's healthy right now. Velocity in the mid-'90s during his recent Grapefruit League outing. Uh, One, two, three innings, struck out two. But, yeah, not a good bet to hold up. And I mean, even if he does hold up in the bullpen, you know, I'd even be concerned about a move to the rotation because I, I don't want this guy pitching or throwing more than, you know, 40, 50 pitches in the outing Just because I am so concerned with his ability to hold up. Um, but there, is there – I know we talked about Bundy in the past. Is he still – I don't exactly remember where he was on your prospect list. Was he even on the 200? No. No. I mean, there's just – It's just the, too,
2: much, too much risk and yeah. too much uh, – halted development time you ship know? has sailed it's yeah, yeah. It, it's tough with guys like that i mean you can like i didn't have kyle zimmer on there last year and he was able to cobble together uh, somewhat successful twenty twenty fifteen, 2015 especially in the second half last year and get his way back onto the top 200 but he had the luxury of being able to do that in the minor leagues mm-hmm. so i mean if bundy uh, honestly, if Bundy Bundy would have had a better shot making that list if he wasn't stuck on the big league roster, yeah, you know, and he, and you could thing. actually work through this stuff in the minor leagues.
3: Let's talk about Chance Cisco for a second. Twenty one year old, likely to start this year at Double A, catcher position very thin uh, at the major league roster, but also really in the uh, in the minors, not a ton of talent coming up. Uh, catching prospects always kind of tough to nail down. But what what's the upside with a guy like Cisco?
2: I mean, he can't really touch like Joe Marais is upside at the top there but if he sticks at catcher he could be a top 15 option in fantasy just because of the the batting average you know I don't really think there's going to be a ton of power or speed to go with that but even a guy like Francisco Cervelli was like a top 12 fantasy catcher last year I believe so maybe Cisco's kind of got that That is as his upside and I, I think he can stick behind the plate I know uh, we got to see him briefly in the fall league i I don't think he's a mess back there by any stretch. He's not a plus defensive catcher, but I think he could. I think he could make it work.
3: I can say with confidence that one artist will never be grading is Cisco. <laughs> uh, not really a hip hop artist, but R and B, I guess you could call him. But no, low grades if we were to. <laughs> but I'm not gonna not gonna be forcing that on you. You say in in your your blurb about Reyes, upside is a guy with high average and 30 homer power. How far, you know, how much does the lack of proximity to the majors, though, uh, keep him down in terms of overall prospects? Do you remember
2: where I, you had him? I had him in like the 50s, I think. Uh, I I still think, you know, if, you, if you've if you got a year at low A under your belt, I'll start to hold ETA against you a little bit less. I mean, he's got the exact same amount of experience as Rafael Devers, and they had pretty similar lines last year. They're the same age. Uh, actually, Reyes is actually slightly younger than Devers, and they're both going to head to High A this year. So, I mean, Devers is a top twenty prospect. I don't really see the case for pushing Reyes much further down than than the fifties because he he might not be able to match Devers' overall upside, especially in the batting average department. But the 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 power projections kind of similar. So, mm-hmm. I think, and they they both are similar in the sense that nobody's sure if they're going to be able to stick at third base just because of the, how big they are. And they're similar in the fact that they can – the battle still play at a lesser position. Like Reyes could move to first base, Devers could move to DH, and the battle still play.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. Let's move on and talk about Devers and the Red Sox organization. You have Devers, too, on their organizational ranks behind you on Mankata. Devers, did you, did you trade him this offseason in SKL, too?
2: Yeah, I traded him for Carlos Rodan.
3: Yeah. Was that straight up?
2: I yeah. think so, yeah. And, and I like that deal a lot. And it's – not a knock on Devers at all. No. I just he his ETA, and I traded I traded like Rymal Tapio away as well, and a lot of factors. And, uh, in that, that Dan Vogelbach away as well, just because I I had this group of minor leaguers that are on a uh, you know kind of collision course with the majors this season and early next season. Devers not so much, and I'm trying to win this year and next year, and Rodon can really help me do that.
3: Yeah, and the owner that. Uh, you traded devers to was it his position where he's really going for it all this year and the price on Rodon was 14b yeah, like, you had to extend him right
2: well it was 14b oh, okay. and uh i think he was dealing with an issue of trying to cut costs mm-hmm. uh realizing that this is his last year in contention i think he probably started the offseason with 20 keepable contracts and
3: one of the better teams right
2: be. was looking to kind of trim down a little bit there he's also the guy i got uh jonathan lucroy from so yeah i mean he he's making a push this year and i mean that that deal's pretty darn fair i mean devers i've seen him as high as like a top 10 prospect uh i think keith law's got him in his top 10 uh so i mean it it's a definite building block uh, prospect especially with the bat
3: Let's talk about Moncada because in, in our Staff Keeper League, Staff Keeper League 2, last year, he hadn't officially signed. The, the news had broke that he'd agreed to a deal with the Red Sox but hadn't signed, so he wasn't a guy who was eligible to go in the auction or draft. We both are banking on the fact that he's going to go in the auction this year in our Keeper League. How much do you say? Over under 10 bucks?
2: I'll take the. Uh, Take the, I feel like take I'm going to under I'm going to take the slide over on 10 Just because it's You know if you're If you're a rebuilding team yeah. And you I mean who Where are you going to spend your money really In the auction I mean you might as well try to a lot get of pitching available. If you get Moncada at, at 12 Or something like that And say he's So you'd be 12A this year 12B next year Next year is when you could maybe see him come up And you know, if he all he would really have to do to justify twelve bucks that the following year would be to be like a top one fifty, even one eighty player, and then the following year when you have him at twelve C and you can extend him, he might be a top one hundred player. So exactly. I, I could see the case for going a little over ten. I I know I won't be in that boat just because of my window to win, but I'm <laughs> interested to see what he goes for.
3: Yeah, I I'm in a weird spot because he's such a, a valuable asset. I, I think he will be and I don't want to let him go for anything less than right. probably eight or I'll, nine. I'll get in there if, yeah.
2: it's, if it's too cheap because even though I'm trying to win right now, I could still turn that contract into win-now exactly. pieces during the season. So exactly. I'm not going to let him go for well below what I think he should go for, but I think there will be enough popularity on him in the auction for him to get to double digits.
3: Yeah, I think – it's a situation where I'm keeping second base open because I need to drive up that cost. I'm not going to let uh, what happened to, like, Schwarber, Chris, well, Chris Bryant was fair, but mm-hmm. Schwarber, Severino, what happened to those guys happen again this year. Uh, but Mankata stolen base numbers last year really through the roof. 49 steals on 52 attempts. How is that speed going to play at the major league level? Is he a 40-steal guy at the highest level?
2: I don't think so. I think he's more of a 30-steal guy, maybe – Maybe a twenty-five steel guy, and that's not a big deal considering mm-hmm. the the power and the average should both be there. Mm-hmm. I think on the podcast before I made the comparison to Trout, not not in the sense that I think you can bank this production. I mean, you you shouldn't say that about anybody that's still in the minor leagues, but he could, you know, start out. You know, in his second or third season as like a fifteen twenty homer guy with thirty steals, and then throughout throughout his years, that'll that pendulum will shift a little bit, and he'll be offering more homers than steals.
3: Your best bet for twenty sixteen is is lefty Brian Johnson. But let's talk about Andrew Benintendi a bit, because you say in your your overview of the system here that you know he could be the first player from last year's draft to reach the majors. Rusne Castillo has kind of already been put on notice subtly. Uh, with the signing of David Murphy, but uh, Jackie Bradley, too. I mean, the, the, the seat's going to remain warm with a guy like Ben Tendi, uh, you know, possibly rising quickly through the system as a 21-year-old.
2: Yeah, it's really tough to peg who that guy's going to be. I mean, if we knew, then we'd all have him ranked a bit higher. I mean, last year, Michael Conforto, I think, was just inside my top 100 heading into the year, and then by – Right before his call-up, he was a top-20 guy. So, you know, you, you'll get a pretty good sense by May, you know, who those guys are that could possibly push for a, a major league roster spot after getting drafted the previous year. And I think he's he's the best pure hitter from that draft, especially among the college bats. And, you know, him and Dansby Swanson are being, would be in the mix. Uh, Ian Happ would be in the mix, too, if the Cubs weren't so loaded already. And then Christian Stewart, I think in the the Tigers organization's a, a kind of a, a more of a sleeper guy to watch in that regard.
3: Let's get back
2: to Johnson for
3: a second, because I know Henry Owens is the guy that they're kind of going to be relying on, or at least I've seen uh, in news and on Twitter and whatnot that Henry Owens is going to be the guy that starts at AAA, would be the the first man up if there's an injury or or prolonged struggles. You think Johnson's the better bet in deeper formats though?
2: No, I I think you're right. I think Owens. Owens would be my pick to get the the call first, but they have enough question marks and guys with prior health issues that you know it's it's worth keeping a couple names handy. I, I think I prefer Johnson to guys like Ronis, Elias and Steven Wright. Uh, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez. I wrote a note on him today. He's kind of in a holding pattern. No timetable for when he'll get to throw some bullpens and he's going to need to throw a few of them before he gets back on the mound and at that point you kind of wonder if he's going to be ready for that first turn in the rotation so maybe you see owens take that spot and then maybe owens pitches well enough that when rodriguez is ready he bumps a guy like joe kelly you know buckholz is going to get hurt at some point i would assume so johnson could be an option there i mean there's a lot of different ways it'll play out after david price and probably Rick Porcello because of the contract. There's not a guy that I think you can definitely bank on 20 plus starts from in that rotation. So I think I think Johnson gets a shot at some point.
3: It's an interesting system here, and uh, of course they traded you know, Margot and Guerra to the the Padres for Kimbrel, but still a lot of talent here. What can you tell me about Anderson Espinoza? Because I don't know a ton about him. 18 years old, uh, right-hander the lower levels what's the upside here with with espinoza
2: well he's he's one of the five or six guys in the minor leagues that i think you could legitimately see becoming an ace Uh, really minor track record to look at although what what we do have to look at is is pretty impressive he's got two plus plus pitches in his fastball and his breaking ball and you know he's he's low enough in the minors where he'll he'll have plenty of time to develop that uh, change up as well The you know command's pretty strong he's he's kind of a smaller guy but that you know, people throw out Pedro comps and stuff like that wow. just because of the Red Sox tie oh, I guess yeah. but yeah I mean I think Espinosa I think I had ranked around number 50 maybe overall and that's Saying quite a bit, considering yeah. he has yet to How far do much at, at the, even at lowe. I think he he got a tiny taste of lowe before the end of the season last year, but really hasn't done much above rookie ball. So that that kind of just speaks to the overall upside.
3: Yeah, well, looking forward to seeing where he goes in in the reserve rounds. He'll definitely be yeah. a reserve round guy, but probably a first rounder, especially with a lot of those I would drafting off
2: your – I would imagine uh, he'll go in the first round. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. That'll be interesting. I got. You know that keeper deadline is kind of looming, uh, a little over a week away, still a couple of weeks away, I guess. But uh, a lot can change between now and then, so uh, definitely be sure if you are listening and trying to plot your keepers, to you know be flexible, make some moves, you know, make a plan, and and really explore avenues to achieve what what you want. Let's move on to the Yankees. Jorge Mateo is a guy that you, you talked to a Yankees scout recently who. Really, kind of sold you on Mateo. What kind of insight did he give you?
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, they they're just really excited about everything he's bringing to the table. Like, you know, you you hear stuff about how maybe he might have to move to center field. That I don't think that that's going to be an issue. Uh, they the one thing he said that I that really kind of made me pretty confident in the players that they just are amazed at his uh makeup and and kind of work ethic and how how hard he he works for them i mean i think that's a really big determining factor for guys in the lower levels to have success in the upper levels of the minors and on into the major leagues is just what kind of work ethic do you have because all those guys are, are talented down there but the ones that are going to really work at their craft are the ones that are going to have success in the upper levels. So mm-hmm. I have a lot of faith in Mateo to, to really have a, a big year at high a and, and possibly push, you know, that, that scout, I, he said that he wouldn't be surprised if Mateo got assigned to double a and just skipped tie altogether. Wow. I don't really see that happening just because Tyler Wade is probably going to start the year at double a at, at shortstop. So assigning Mateo there would essentially push Wade off a of short, but, uh, The fact that it's even possible that he could go to Double A as early as the start of the season just kind of shows you where he's at in his development. And he's a guy that I've moved up my my prospect ranks relative to where he was uh, when the magazine came out. Right now I have him at 25 overall right in front of Victor Robles and right behind Trey Turner. So definitely a guy that should be highly coveted in Dynasty Leagues right now. Yeah,
3: I know you, you know, we talked about Tim Anderson uh, last week, and I, I know you kind of said that you, you see him as, as a potential keeper, Dynasty League building block. Is Mateo mm-hmm. really in that same vein and, and maybe even have a slightly higher upside because of the power?
2: Uh, I think he has a higher upside, but not necessarily because of the power. I just think he's got... You know, pure eighty grade speed, whereas Tim Anderson, you know, maybe put a sixty five or a seventy on the speed. Mateo, I I don't want to go so far as to say he's got more power projection than Anderson, just because he hasn't really shown it yet in games. Uh, They're kind of built similarly, so I, I kind of think they're about the same there. Probably about I'd give Anderson a bit of a nod in terms of the hit tool right now, but. Mateo has a has a better approach, so you know, maybe that, that lends itself to even more steals. I mean, I, I Mateo really could steal like sixty plus bases in the big league. So wow. the the fact that he would probably be hitting the top of lineup, I mean, it, it really could be kind of D Gordon esque production from the shortstop spot.
3: Yeah, it's too bad he's lost in and no man's land in our keeper league. Uh on a team that a pretty un- With an owner pretty much unwilling to even listen on some deals. But best bet for 2016, Gary Sanchez. He went for a buck in our two-catcher 17-team stake league auction the other night. I like that, especially because it seems like he is positioned to be the backup right from day one. And uh, But is he going to play enough to be valuable uh, useful in a format like that?
2: It's just impossible to say because it just all hinges on... Uh, injuries he's not going to play every day right away because Brian McCann's healthy Alex Rodriguez will theoretically be healthy so he's going to need one of those two guys to get hurt or maybe Mark Teixeira to get hurt in order to to see some some regular at-bats but I I'm I'm with you I love the buying him for a buck in any deep two catcher league or in any AL only league just because He's got more ups – like, I mean, if if we knew that he was entering the year with regular at-bats, I think you can make a pretty strong case for him being a top-10 catcher in fantasy. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he's one injury away from getting those at-bats definitely makes him someone worth targeting.
3: Yeah, him and, like, Tom Murphy are the ideal $1 targets in a league like that, a a catcher. Uh, Missed out on both of those guys, but I I really wish – uh, really hope to end up with a couple shares. Actually, we both have Murphy in, in our NFBC. So I think he's a uh, guy. Well, a I don't
2: I actually seen. don't have him in there. I I have. Uh, oh, you have Story. That's right. Yeah, right. but I have. I, I I was the one that ended up with Murphy in the in the steak league draft. Very for nice about. move. A guy who could make an impact
3: at the major league level. I think he will this season. Uh, how much of an impact to be determined. But Aaron Judge putting that power on display, uh, really kind of wowing some of his teammates from what I've read with with the uh, with his. Uh, batting practice showings so far this spring, but 23 at AAA, the, the run at AAA last year left a lot to be desired. I mean, the, the, the numbers at AA were strong, but uh, the really, things really kind of fell apart, but the outfield jam there in New York's, you know, really kind of making his outlook for 2016 at the major league level a bit hazy, but uh, I, I know you're kind of down on Judge relative to a lot of people. What What is it about him that that you're not really sold on.
2: I, I just think he's riskier than people give him credit for. I, I think the the power's pretty legit, but I wouldn't put an eighty on it. Like I, I don't think it's in Joey Gallo's territory or anything like that. So I mean, I, I hear people throw out John Carlos Stanton comps. I think that that just underrates how much power John Carlos Stanton has relative to everybody else. And Judge is six seven. I mean, he's built like a tight end, and he, you know, has done a decent enough job of making contact in the minors. You saw that kind of be the the root of his some of his struggles at AAA. That that strikeout rate went up to twenty eight point five percent, which is is still manageable, but a guy that big man i mean that strike zone's so big i think big league big league pitchers could really give him fits especially right away uh he does have a a pretty solid approach i I saw him strike out looking the other day you know definitely not a guy that is deaf is going to chase all of your your junk outside of the zone Mm -hmm. with two strikes but i'm just worried about the how big he i mean how many times do we see six seven guys go on to have long productive careers That's as true. as hitters in the big leagues. I mean it it happens occasionally, it doesn't happen that often and there's a reason why.
3: He's got a great arm. Yeah. Uh so I I think, you know, he's not a guy that he, even with that size, not going to be a DH only type of no, guy. No. No. Um but doesn't
2: move particularly well. And I think he could he could hit 250 and still be an everyday player, but if he's hitting 250 and you know, that putting on the, the the power on display in batting practice is one thing. You know, getting to to thirty plus homer power in games does Completely require a, a a really strong approach at the plate. So I could see him hitting like two fifty with. You know, the 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 upside I think is two seventy with with thirty homers, and the realistic downside is maybe two fifty with twenty. 25 homers and at that point it's it's still someone you you want but not a guy that is going to make or break your season
3: yeah i I agree with you i think you make a really good point about just him being so tall how big that strike zone is Mm -hmm. that is hard but he does walk a lot yeah but it's going to be tough for him to you know especially when you have such a a strike zone expanding so far expanding so
2: far Mm -hmm
3: laying off pitches that are just slightly out of that strike zone. But at low. Mm-hmm. I have I, I have more pitches right.
2: Like I I have more faith in a guy like uh Javi Baez figuring it out in terms of his his mm-hmm. swing and miss issues just because of how uh you know compact he is and how how athletic he is and how, how quick his bat is whereas you know judge there's just so many so many moving pieces and everything. I, I just I don't not like him. I th- I mean, I have him as a top 50 prospect. I just think that people are – the fact that he's up, got up to AAA last year I think makes people feel like he's pretty safe, mm-hmm. and I think that there is there is still a decent amount of risk there.
3: Yeah, there's a decent amount of risk. And it is, yeah, maybe people aren't taking that into account because it is so easy to fall in love with him watching him play. I, mm-hmm. Fall League 2014 uh, – I barely sat down. And he crushed a homer. Yeah. Hit another one.
2: I almost sure fell in there. love with Adam Brett Walker, and he didn't do anything well at Foley. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, almost, I just fell in love with the body. I was like, wow. <laughs> but yeah, that is uh, a bot. Yeah, but I mean, he didn't do anything. So I mean, That's like true. it, it, yeah, we can definitely get colored a little bit when we see these guys in person.
3: One guy I didn't know much about until last uh, this past year at the Fall League. He was really kind of getting a lot of buzz, just from you know, scouts, people who were there in attendance. Dustin Fowler. Mm-hmm. Twenty-one year old at Double A. Um, I mean, well, he was that high last year. Expected to advance uh, this year. Not a ton of power, but what what kind of speed and hit tool are we looking at here? Uh,
2: I I think it's it's going to be a lot like Adam Eaton. That's kind of the the comp I have on him where he's just going to hit hit a lot uh you know a lot of singles, a lot of doubles, triples. Uh might might send eight or 10 over the fence in his his peak years with the power, but it's going to be a lot of speed, you know, 25 30 steel speed could uh handle center field I think adequately and and probably hit towards the top of an order, so could be just a a three category stud once once it gets to the majors.
3: Let's move on to the Rays. This is uh the, the guy at the top here, I think, is very interesting. Blake Snell really improved his stock last year. The improvement with the control was was huge. I also had that just insane stretch where he went what like thirty plus innings without allowing a run. Uh-huh. But what is you know, I was looking at some of the projections. Steamer and I and Snell was a guy I got for a buck late in that auction. I feel like I, I could just stash him. Something it'll play itself out, and he'll get an opportunity eventually, maybe for a hundred innings or so would you say at the major league level
2: i think uh a hundred is probably a good number you you don't want to pull a Derek van Riper though and drop, and drop him. Him, yeah, him i'm not going to uh, do like that. he did with cinder last well, year
3: what is the control gonna look like here we looking at a guy who's probably gonna walk maybe three per nine but uh so good you know with the strikeouts limiting base you know limiting the hard contact that he's gonna overcome those walk
2: issues i think so uh the, the the big thing with him is like you look at that whip in the minor leagues and you just assume oh this guy must have just elite command mm-hmm. uh that's just how unhittable he was case, like yeah. he like there were levels last year where he gave up more walks than hits like the 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 whip was just held down by just how impossible it was to square him up last year so that's that speaks to the stuff and the fact that he's got top of the rotation ceiling but it also i I think i'd caution people before assuming that they can count on you know whip around one or under one at the big league level like he like he posted in the minor leagues that'll probably be more kind of in the the one two range which is fine uh but the the strikeouts the era is kind of going to be where he Mm -hmm. butters his bread
3: yeah definitely and you know, it's not out of the question that he could have a very, you know, a whip maybe under 1 2. But yeah, at the same think, thing, that you can't bet on that, I, think, I don't think. Yeah, the, up, the
2: upside is probably like 1 1, but you got yeah. it more realistically 1 2, and probably in his rookie season, more like 1 2 5. Yeah,
3: because at the major league level, so much that, that margin for error mm-hmm. thins out so much, you can't be putting the runners on because mm-hmm. um, at the major league level, a lot more of those balls are going to go for hits just because the the caliber of the hitters is just so much higher. But uh, let's jump down the list here a little bit. Daniel Robertson, a guy that has just kind of been hanging around prospect list, seems like for a little while, but number five here uh, on your rankings. Where does he end up? What position do you think uh, long-term? Is he going to be a
2: shortstop? Uh, I think he might be just like a util guy. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. I just don't – like so I I said like after – I got Snell at one, Taylor Guerrero at two. After those two, like there's not one guy on this list that I would like bet uh bet heavily on making it as like even an average big league regular. Like they all have a shot and that's why they're on the list, but it's it's just a lot of risk. Only a few of them have a ton of upside. Robertson Robertson's close to the big leagues and the, the Rays have it seems like forever since they've had a competent double play combo up the middle, so I mean I think he'll he'll get a shot before most of the guys on this list, so that's why he's he's up a few more spots, but you know I could see it being kind of like an empty batting average where he's hitting two seventy five two eighty, but there's not a lot really going going along with that, so mm-hmm. maybe then he's a he's a middle infield option, possibly he's a guy that could do you know, Joe panic type of stuff and be, be a guy that can be a foundation and runs an average and, and hit 10 homers or something like that. But it's, it's just not all that exciting.
3: Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you, uh, were giving that the dose of reality there because I still feel like with the, you know, a lot of people know that name, follow prospects, but I agree with you that uh, ceiling is pretty well capped. Taylor uh Guerreri, Mr. Sheer Potential himself, <laughs> um, hashtag Sheer. What what are we looking at here? I mean, he, he missed time due to injury, uh, but you're now on the 40 man roster. And I was talking to Paul Spohr, and he's going to do a list for the blog about guys who are on the 40 man who don't get overlooked. I think being on the 40 man, you know, is is big in itself. And of course, they have Alex Cobb and Snell uh, waiting ahead of Grady in the. The pecking order but does he uh, reach the majors this year and maybe start 10 games
2: I don't think so I mean the Rays have just so much pitching depth and they are notoriously slow to promote their pitchers to the big leagues I think he's definitely a guy that could make an impact in 2017 you know the, the big thing with him is just kind of building up his innings this year mm-hmm. last year he only threw 78 innings between high A and double A and they were they Was were, it off
3: Tommy John? Uh well like yeah he had,
2: he had Tommy John uh midway through 2013 I want to say mm-hmm. and but then he I think he had some setbacks in the recovery as well so it was just kind of you know exciting and impressive for him to even get back and and pitch as much and as well as he did last year I know he, he kind of exceeded my expectations there and you know, still still a guy that's got kind of number two, number three stuff. He's got a got a big fastball, he's got a got a really nice curveball, nice changeup. So I, I think that this is definitely someone that should be owned in leagues where a hundred prospects are rostered, but I I'd caution betting on him getting getting up this year, especially just given the organization and, and how few innings he threw last year. Yeah.
3: I mean the the addition to the forty man was an obvious move. Uh, with Rule Five draft considerations, but also good for him because uh, no longer has to worry about a recreational drug use suspension. Good.
2: Yeah, good that's good for him. that's that's key. He can get back to that <laughs> and uh, can do so safely.
3: <laughs> yes, he can. Uh, I think that's a that's a progressive move by MLB, uh, and, I, and I respect them for that.
2: To not to well, it's progressive on the. MLB side it's it's still it's it's kind of like this uh you know mirage like in the desert if you're in the minor leagues though because you're just like oh man not on that 40 man yet could still (laughs) could still totally get busted for this like Alex Reyes but yeah once I mean it's progressive for the big leaguers for sure
3: yeah I remember John Singleton for a while his like Twitter (laughs) Twitter bio was just like up in the air like <laughs> hashtag so gone or something. I don't know. But yeah. yeah he followed I, I
2: remember guy. like after they signed him to that deal, I was looking at the Twitter accounts he follows. He was following just a ton of weed smoking like <laughs> cottonmouth mouth Yeah, like something. just a lot of just a lot of weed smoking <laughs> Twitter accounts. <laughs> <Let's>
3: finish <laughs> up with the blue jays. Rowdy Telez was a guy we saw down <clears throat> in Arizona last fall. Big boy and Apparently, I mean, obviously, he's just big, big frame. But apparently, he's lost a lot of weight uh, over the off season. Uh, you know, the power potential is there, but what are we looking like looking at here? Is he the guy that's going to take over for for Edwin Encarnacion next year and really kind of run with an everyday job for, for several years?
2: Yeah, I think he, I think he does contribute in in some form next year. He still hasn't played above high A, but. Killed it in the fall league. I I think you know he starts at Double A. You look at how quickly he was able to climb the ranks last year. Probably finishes the year at Triple A. And I I saw that they were talking about maybe an extension with Encarnacion. I would assume the only way that they would do that is if it was on fairly team friendly terms. Just given the the new regime there, Mm -hmm. I, I don't really see them committing significant money to an aging slugger who probably will spend his his final years at that deal at dh so i have my doubts about that getting done uh either way though say it does happen and they they sign encarnacion they could still move either him or tellez to dh and have the other one play first base so i I think he, he definitely factors in in 2017 uh i i think he's just a guy that's just really kind of safe with the bat. I think he'll, he'll hit like 275, 280, 20 to 25. You know, even even heard Jim Callis say at uh, AFL that he might hit 30 homers. I mean, that that's probably the high end. I, I would say more kind of 25 homers, 275 average. But, the, I mean, it just kind of looks like a middle-of-the-order bat. Let's talk about Vlad Jr.
3: because, man, I mean, ever since I saw that video of him – just hitting dong after dong in some little, like, run-down, I think it was Dominican ballpark. Uh, as a 16-year-old, I've kind of been in love with, with him as a prospect. 17 now, going to be available in the SKL 2 uh, reserve rounds. I'm really thinking hard about spending one of my first two picks on him. So far away, though, you have him as uh, having the most, most upside in the system. But do we – Even see him before, like, 2020 or so?
2: I think that he could be up anywhere from three years from now to six years from now. So, like, it's just such a wide array of outcomes at this stage in his development that it's kind of impossible to say anything confidently. Uh, We know that he's got big-time power. We know that he projects to have a a plus-hit tool to go with that power. There's not going to be any speed he might end up playing at a you know maybe maybe he can make it in right field it'd be interesting to just see how that body develops but yeah this is this is a guy with a ton of ton of potential especially for fantasy it's just going to be kind of a roll of the dice as to when when he comes up uh when you're kind of deciding where where to take him in dynasty league drafts i think that if you take him you should be prepared to be patient though because mm-hmm. you know, he might not even see much time I mean he might spend most of the year at instructs this year, so we yeah. might not even get some legitimate stats on him and yeah, I, I just think it's he's so far away potentially that it, it's hard to spend like a, a top one hundred prospect spot on him.
3: Yeah. You know it's it is tough to to evaluate and decide his his value in a league like that for this year, but I think even with the lack of proximity, and yeah, I mean, maybe we have to wait six years or so, but uh, I feel like he'd be an ideal guy that if you take and are competing this year, yeah, he's not going to help you, but he'd be pretty... I think he'd be pretty appealing to a rebuilding team uh, if you're looking to, to flip guys for impact players this year. I feel like he'd be, even with that... That uh Yeah The long wait is still going to be pretty appealing for rebuilding teams.
2: I mean, I, I think he will be, but I... But to a point, just because, like, he's not – he won't be playing in games. The, you know, the soonest he'll be playing in games is when when the rookie leagues open up. Mm-hmm. And it's just – you're not going to hear – people aren't going to be hyping him up in, like, June or July as, like, this guy that's rocketing up lists unless he's just so damn good at instructs that he that he gets sent to, like, low A – and starts crushing it if that happens then yeah he'll, he'll be a guy that everyone's trying to get in dynasty leagues but if he's if he kind of goes like the Gilbert Lara route and just has that sort of slow burn uh you're not going to hear enough people pumping him up to where you'll be able to get a, a big time haul for him in dynasty leagues mm-hmm. whereas guys like you know say you take a guy like like Brendan Rodgers or something like that uh then that, that's a guy that, you know, say he gets off to a hot start, that's a guy that you could move and get a ton back for in, in a dynasty league.
3: That's a good point. Yeah, I'd much rather have Rodgers. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I think owners in that league are smart enough to not just buy the name value there with Guerrero and say, you know, here's a top 50 player for him. But mm-hmm. I do think um, that it helps somewhat just knowing the, the pedigree and, and the power potential mm-hmm. as, a, as a sell if that's the route you want to go. Anybody else in this system that, that you kind of have a good feeling about or maybe anybody that you have in here that you were thinking about leaving off? Uh,
2: so after Guerrero, it kind of dries up a little bit, but Anthony Alford, who I have at number two, is a guy that I think is incredibly safe, can can play a really good center field. Uh, I think he's just – he's Denard's band, 2.0, like just – lock it down i mean he's gonna hit for a high average hit a top and order get on base a ton like he gets on base a ton and he's gonna steal 25 30 bags score 100 runs probably uh so i love love him he's gonna start the year at double a richard arena is kind of the uh, the other kind of big time high upside guy in the system boomer bust uh, kind of along with vlad guerrero where arena's got major power uh questions about whether he'll stick at shortstop or not but, the you know, we, a scout I talked to at, at AFL said that the battle play regardless of the position, but I, I still think there's a ton of risk there because he, start, he got sent to high A last year, struggled, got sent back down to low A. He'll probably head to high A again this year, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how he does in his second run there. And then Connor Green, best starting pitching prospect left in the system. He's my best bet for this year, but that's kind of couched by saying I, I don't really think anyone in this system is going to be up this year in time to make an impact but I think green's going to be a part of that rotation for for most of 2017
3: well great stuff really enjoyed the organizational top tens any plans as far as direction for farm futures in the weeks ahead
2: yeah so I'm going to be kind of talking about in in my piece for uh this upcoming upcoming week I'm going to be talking a bit about Dynasty League rankings, like overall rankings, not just prospect ones, but Dynasty League rankings, and sort of how they're nice, but they can also be sort of useless once you get into a Dynasty League draft. And then I, I kind of talk about a, a mock Dynasty League draft I did at uh, Roto World earlier in in February, and just sort of break down my team and why like I strayed from my Dynasty League rankings. And then I'll also include. Uh, my dynasty rankings in, in with the article after kind of talking about how they're all, not all that useful and then either this week or the following week i'll put out a kind of a primer on the the super two stuff and the extra year eligibility dates to keep in mind players to keep helpful. an eye out for and then you know by then should be off and running
3: yeah well thanks man we'll definitely look forward to that that'll do it for the prospect portion of the pod we are going to grade out our latest Artist and somebody we were listening to while doing the the steak league auction earlier this week, Slick Rick, Rick the Ruler, grading him uh, on the twenty to eighty scouting scale. The five tools we've established for grading hip hop artists: lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, swag. Then we'll give an overall grade. For me, I mean, Slick Rick. You know, I, I guess my window started after maybe his prime. My window for listening to hip hop began after his prime but he still weren't,
2: You weren't listening to hip hop as a 3 year old? <laughs>
3: Believe it or not,
2: <laughs> I wasn't. I did get into it pretty darn
3: young, but it was around, you know, the, the art of storytelling right. after he was I think released from prison. Yeah. Uh, he spent
2: a he's he's had he's done a couple bids. He
3: did a dime, <laughs> did a stint. Uh, but for me Rick Slick Rick, you know, maybe Ghost sets the bar in terms of flow, but Slick Rick is an 80 flow. for Let's just start with that. I mean, we'll get back to lyricism, but for me he's got an 80 flow.
2: I I threw a 70 on it and I I get the 80. It's just uh it's you know, there's there's less than 10 tracks out there I think where I would put an 80 on his flow and it's just such a such a small catalog, you know, the the two albums he put out kind of right before he went to jail and and when he got bailed out of jail uh those don't really hold up all that well i mean 70 is still pretty damn high i mean i i didn't give you gave little wayne an 80 on flow and i didn't even give him an 80 either i gave him a yeah. 75 so i think i'm just a, a tad more picky on on who i'm willing to give an 80 flow to but uh, I mean we'll we'll get to some guys that'll get 80s there from me but I, I definitely definitely respect him as, as one of the better flowers of all time
3: yeah I mean Wayne and Sigrick definitely on different uh, definitely different in terms of very different in terms of flow but each bringing uh, their own you know 80 grade offerings to the table as far as I'm concerned there Sigrick just so old school with, with that flow just so so laid back uh, quit trying to claim things I haven't earned honest man I mean if, if you don't uh, if you haven't heard that The Art of Storytelling uh, Street Talking In particular Definitely check that out Lyricism I got a 50 here Wordplay was really strong But there's nothing really Substantial there At any point
2: uh, Yeah I mean it, well, Storytelling was really Storytelling like, like, very good yeah, I mean, And like the wordplay Like he I think he could be Considered probably one of the best Sort of storytellers Of all time I gave him a 65 there Not not, I mean, he's not going to hang like in a in a rap battle or anything like that with the best lyricists of all time. But I think just doing what he was trying to do, I thought it was really clever It worked, and, and yeah. it was worked, clever. worked really well. You never really, you never really thought that he was forcing it with cer- certain lyrics. It all just kind of flowed together. Uh, so he was, was funny too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, sixty-five for me.
3: Yeah, that's that's fair. I should maybe. Bu- I'm going to bump him up to fifty-five. Because, you, you know, the storytelling is underrated. Again, there's not a ton of, uh, I mean, the stories are great, but not a ton of substance uh, in those stories, I guess you could say. But at the same time, I, I do like Slick Rick's lyricism. The flow is what, what carries him for me, though. Longevity, 40. You got a 30, again, narrow window, and uh, really broken up by that, by that stint um, in the slammer. And also just not, not producing music now as far as i know
2: right uh really just had the two albums that anyone's ever going to remember and they were so far apart that i think it kind of he kind of missed probably you know his original fans probably just kind of fell off when he was in prison and then he kind of maybe picked up a new group of fans with with that uh, 1999 release i mean they're just not Any kind of sustained success, Mm -hmm. and
3: I'm surprised he hasn't dropped anything. I thought maybe he had just kind of under the radar. I
2: just assumed that that last album sold so poorly, and and like he got arrested again in uh like the 2000s, maybe for like visa issues because he's from the UK, and Mm. uh I mean he's just been kind of so much so much jail time and (laughs) and stuff like that, and he's he's getting up there in years, so I, I. I guess I'm not all that surprised.
3: Now, longevity, you yeah, know, not high grades there, but impact. I have a 70 on because I think his, you know, you, you see a picture of Slick Rick. That's such an iconic image: the big gold change, mm-hmm. the eye patch. I think he'll forever and the flow, the flow, so unique that I think he'll forever have a spot in history and continue to influence a lot of artists.
2: Yeah, I I, get, I actually had the swag grade up up at uh, eighty as well, and then I started to think about some of the things that it, the, the stuff he's had to deal with throughout his career, and kind of asked, "Is that swaggy?" And the answer was kind of like, "No." I mean, he he's you know goes to jail for a violent crime, but also goes to jail for like visa issues. That's not very swaggy. I agree with you somewhat
3: about the swag grades. Again, I just think that's um, the the image is so iconic. And plus, I mean you're right about the the stints in prison again hurting him, but I will say in his defense that um the person he shot, his cousin uh-huh. apparently according to Wikipedia, so we you know we can take this for fact uh, later admitted to having Slick Rick shot outside a club. So right,
2: I don't I don't ding him for that stint in prison, but I ding him for the uh, I ding him for the the other set of years he did in prison that weren't for for anything uh, re- revolving street justice. Also, how much swag can you have when like you have one album released in the past like? 20 years and you could go into like any club and any girl like under 25 is not going to know who you are pretty much yeah
3: it's a damn shame (laughs) but thanks for listening guys if you have a request on artists to grade in the future hit us up uh, at real jr anderson i'm at clay w link on twitter we'll be back with you guys next week tomorrow zola and paul Spore.
1: is the story of harry's for decades one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers then one day an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors he was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving they called it harry's by taking less profit and selling online harry's can offer quality blades for less You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.